Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We were supposed to be starting a new series uh, called Better Together, all about how we live in Christian community, but uh, my plans get wrecked all the time. And Jimmy Evans, who is one of the overseers at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is my church, the sending church for us, um, he, he was a pastor for a long time, started Marriage Today, which is an incredible marriage ministry. Uh, he was in Radiant Church um, two weeks ago preaching, and I was streaming their service, and I was watching it, and I was just so blown away by it and convicted, and it was just such a powerful message, and I texted Pastor Leader after the service, and I said, hey, can we get the video for that, because it just wrecked my world, and we all need to watch that, and he said yes, he was gracious enough to let us use that. So um, I would encourage you, like, get ready because this is a life-changing word. Take some notes. Really let the Holy Spirit begin to do a work inside of you. And if you put this into practice, uh, man, your life will be changed forever. So any further ado, Pastor Jimmy Evans. If you, if you have your Bible or your, your phone or however you uh, read the Bible, if you'll turn to Proverbs 18, this, merit, this message is on marriage. I want to talk about training your mouth for marriage. That's the name of this uh, of this message, training your mouth for marriage. And Proverbs 18 is just a really, really powerful uh, scripture. And here's what it says, verse 20, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. It's interesting, the scripture is interesting, because what it's saying is a man is going to live based on his words, good or bad. Your words are going to come back to you, and it says literally you have the power of life and death in your mouth. And if you understand that, you can live through the benefit of that. Then the next scripture says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Let me, let me say it very simply. Your marriage will never be better than your mouth. Every good marriage is filled with good words. And every bad marriage is filled with bad words or no words. But your words are the most important element in your life and in your marriage. And I'll prove it through Scripture as we go on. But my wife and I got married at 19 years old, uh, in about seven weeks, we will be married for 45 years. So it's, it's pretty amazing. So, and I'll do the math for you, I'm 64. We got married at 19, I'm 64. So um, I was just dumber than a box of rocks when we got married. I mean, I was so, I was the worst husband. I had just gotten saved the week before we got married. And, and when I got saved, before I got saved, I had a really filthy mouth. I was a horrible cusser. But I was very, I've always been very articulate, so I was a really articulate cusser. <laughs> I knew how to put cuss words together. And, and I, so and you, ever, you didn't want to be on the other side of this right here when I got mad before I got saved. But when I got saved, I stopped cussing. And I just thought, well, I'm like Mother Teresa now. I think I'm nearly perfect. I don't cuss anymore. <laughs> but I was a bad husband. And when I got mad at my wife, I would say bad things to her. And I just, I killed her with my mouth. After several years of marriage, I... We had, we had a dead marriage. And um, I repented. Uh, we almost divorced. We almost, we were at the end of a really bad situation. And I repented. And I realized the damage that I had done in many ways, not just with my mouth. But I went in one night and I apologized to my wife. And she looked at me and said, the worst thing you've ever done to me is what you've said to me. You've devastated me with your mouth. And I had. 
But if a bad mouth can hurt you, a good mouth can cure you. And I changed the way that I talked to my wife. And I took responsibility for my words. And I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my mouth. It's one thing to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But your mouth needs to come along with the deal. The devil wants to use your mouth to destroy. God wants to use your mouth to build and heal. And you decide who's going to use your mouth. And so I had to change. I had taken my precious wife that God had given me and I had devastated her through my mouth. The power of life and death is in our mouth. And Proverbs 18.20 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of our mouth, from the produce of our lips that will be filled. Understand, fruit and produce is the result of the seeds of our words. Your words are seeds. Now, I saw this documentary on animals that migrate, like whales and birds and all these animals that migrate thousands of miles, and they come back to the exact spot that they left, you know, months earlier. And the scientists believe that the reason that animals can migrate like that is because they can see the electromagnetic fields of the earth that we can't see. There's huge electromagnetic fields around the earth, and what scientists say is animals can see those. They can sense those, and literally when they're migrating, they're on a highway that they're going back and forth on that we can't see. It's interesting. And what I'm, the reason I'm saying this, there's a lot of stuff going on we can't see. Did you know that? Did you know something that's going on that you can't see? Every time you open your mouth and say a word, a seed spits out on another person's heart, on another person's mind, your wife, your husband, your children, your friends, God. Every time we open our mouths and we're speaking, seeds come out and those seeds are going to return to us. There is no such thing as inconsequential speech. There is no such thing as evaporative speech. Our words do not disappear when we speak them. Our words accumulate in our lives. And they're, they're going to bear fruit, good or bad. They're going to bear fruit. They're going to give life or they're going to take life away. But our words are critical and consequential. And I want to read you a scripture here about what Jesus says about our words. And this is Matthew 12. Now, Jesus was doing miracles and the Pharisees were saying to Jesus, you, you cast out demons by the power of Satan, by the power of Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies, demon master. They were literally saying, the good things that you're doing are the result of Satan. And here's what Jesus said. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, Jesus, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So that kind of says what Proverbs says, doesn't it? How critical and consequential our speech is. And here's what Jesus says about our words. First of all, he says our hearts are trees and our words are fruit. The, the seed-bearing entities 
that come forth from our hearts. And so, and here's what he says, make it good or bad. You are the only person who can choose what your heart's going to be like. God can't make your heart good unless you want to make it good. The devil can't change your heart unless you want him to change it. We decide what our heart is going to be like. So Jesus said, make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree bad and the fruit bad. The second thing that Jesus says here is the only unforgivable sin that we can commit is with our mouths. And by the way, the unforgivable sin is calling the Holy Spirit evil. It's attributing evil to the Holy Spirit. You've never done that or you wouldn't be in church, I promise. Don't ever let the devil tell you you've committed the unpardonable sin. You would never darken the doors of this church if you had ever done that. Okay. But there are people who will watch wonderful miracles taking place and say that's evil. And Jesus is saying here, any other, you want to call me something? You go ahead, I'll forgive you. You attribute evil to the Holy Spirit. It is the unforgivable sin. And our mouths are the only member of our body that can commit a sin that won't be forgiven. The third thing Jesus said is our, our words reveal our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes, I said this to Karen when we were early in our marriage, I would say something horrible, and she would say, well, that was really hateful. And I would say, well, that's not my heart. Your words are your heart. You say, well, what is my heart like? Well, just listen to yourself talk. Selfish words mean you have a selfish heart. Mean words mean you have a mean heart. Hateful words mean you have a hateful heart. Dirty words mean you have a dirty heart. Good words mean you have a good heart. Kind words mean you have a kind heart. Your words reveal your heart. They always go together. The tree and the fruit always matches. That's what Jesus is saying. Number four, he says that we're going to give an account one day for every idle word we've ever spoken. Our words are being recorded. Not only are they not evaporating, they're being, that's, how, that's how important our words are. Our words are being recorded in heaven. And Jesus said, you will give an account one day for every idle word that you've ever spoken. You say, well, what's an idle word? You're in the garage, you're hammering something, you're hammering a nail, you miss the nail, you hit your thumb, that word. <laughs> and you're guilty because I can tell the way you're laughing. We've all said things like that. And the point being is that one day when we get to heaven, I don't know how God records all of our words. I mean, God knows everything, but maybe some little snitch angel's following us around all day. <laughs> I don't know how it works. But let me give you some really good news. All of our words are being recorded, but there's an eraser on the recorder. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can all be forgiven for everything we've ever said wrong. All we have to do is take responsibility for it. And our God is a merciful God. But I think that there will be some people shocked one day when they get to heaven because they're mouthy people. Don't we live in a vulgar, sarcastic, vile culture? People use their mouths. It's unbelievable what people say to each other. And sometimes even Christians say to each other, and I'm saying it's recorded and we'll give an account for it one day before God. And if you're going to heaven, it's all good, but I'm saying we still are going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. And some people have literally devastated other people. You know this bullying and little kids kill themselves after being bullied? It's words. It's words. Whether it's face-to-face -face or on Facebook or some type of, of social media, these hateful words that you speak to people, they can kill a person. Words are so powerful. So Jesus is trying to get us in that scripture text. He's just simply trying to get us to wake up and take responsibility for this thing that can give life or death. 
It's consequential. It's eternally consequential. So we need to understand it. So if our words are seeds, I want to talk about the three laws of sowing and reaping. If, if everywhere I go, and this morning I'm spitting seeds into your minds and hearts, that's literally what I'm doing. If every word that I say is a seed that is going to be consequential, I want to learn to be a good farmer. See, if I love this thing, I can eat its fruit. If I understand the power of this and the consequential nature of my words, I want to be a good farmer because I want a good crop. So let me talk about the three laws of sowing and reaping that we need to understand because these things are true in the natural and the spiritual. Number one law of sowing and reaping is you reap what you sow. Uh, seems simple, but here's what Galatians 6 says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So it says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. The word mocked there is the word mukterizo in the Greek. This is your mukter right here. This is your nose. It's a mukter. Don't be deceived. Don't throw your nose up at God. That's what that says. You're going to reap what you sow. Everything you sow, every seed that you sow, is going to come back whether good or bad well so let me talk about words for just a minute a common deception is i can get a good crop from bad seed um, when my wife and i were married first married and i was just a very ignorant uh, young husband i thought that my words that my ugly words to her would ch change her somehow that i could you know scold her or yell at her or, or call her a name or something like that and somehow she was going to turn around like that all bad words have a bad crop. I, I can tell you, after three years of bad words, there was no good crop. I, I had killed everything in our marriage with our words. I see people all the time in marriage that they think somehow that bad words are going to change their spouse or change the nature of their marriage. Now, I've been a marriage counselor for 37 years. And I see sweet Christian people that go to church, carry big Bibles, sweet people. And when they get in fights, they just cuss like satyrs. And the reason I know that is because they tell on each other. That's the only purpose for marriage counseling. <laughs> the only reason that people come see Pastor Jimmy is to tell on each other. And, or to be there to defend themselves when they're being told on. So I have these sweet, sweet Christian couples come in and say, well, we fought the other night, and they, they said this and this and just cussed and all that kind of stuff. And Okay. Well, in 37 years of counseling, I want to tell you something I've never heard. Because I think I've heard it all, Pastor Lee. I think I've heard it all, but I'm not sure. But let me tell you something I've never heard in 37 years of marriage counseling. I've never heard someone come in for marriage counseling and say, Pastor Jimmy, we had a fight the other night, and my spouse just cussed me up one side and down the other. Called me every name in the book. And you know it helped. Um... <laughs> right in the middle of their tirade a light came on and i just thought you know they're right <laughs> and I, I see i see the light now of, of what i'm really like and i'm just so thankful that i have a spouse that's willing to tell me the truth <laughs> now, i've never heard that but i'll tell you one word i've heard a thousand times devastated my spouse said this to me the other night and I'm devastated. Some of you are still hurting over a word that was spoken to you 20 years ago. And some of you are still blessed over a word that was spoken to you 20 years ago. Words don't evaporate, they accumulate. Bad words bring bad fruit. Good words bring good.
good fruit. The other deception in this law of sowing and reaping that you reap what you sow is I would say something good, but it wouldn't help. You've got a bad marriage going on. There's, there's not good seed that's been sown. And I'll say to, to people all the time, I, I had a husband I was talking to this week, and I say, sow good seed in your wife. Say things. Well, I don't feel like saying good things. I don't care how you feel. I want you to speak good words to your wife. In fact, the man that I was talking to this week, I said, I want you to take responsibility for your wife's self-esteem. You beat her to death with your mouth. I want you to take responsibility for her self-esteem because she's your reflection. 1 Corinthians 11 says, men are the glory of God, but women are the glory of men. The, uh, the paraphrase for that is, men reflect the God they choose, women reflect the husband they choose. And she's your reflection. You have beat her down, and you begin to speak good words to her. And I, I have men, and I'll say to them, begin to say good words, and they'll say, you don't understand my wife, Pastor Jimmy. That, that would work with all other women, but not my wife. I accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. I didn't know. <laughs> I, did, I calculated her name at 666. I didn't know. I didn't know. But what will work with other women won't work with her. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. The law of sowing and reaping is very simple. You reap what you sow. Here's the second law of sowing and reaping. You reap much more than what you've sown. When you sow a seed, you don't get a seed back. You don't get one seed back. I can, I can, I can feed the world with one kernel of corn. I, I really can. If I plant a kernel of corn, I don't get a kernel of corn back. I get a corn stalk back with hundreds of seed. If I take that corn stalk and replant it, I get a field of corn back. If I replant that, ultimately, I can feed the entire world with one kernel of corn. You don't get one seed back. This is James chapter 3. And here's what James says about our tongue. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle a whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. So here, uh, James compares our tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder of a ship, and a spark. Think about this. This huge horse that weighs hundreds of pounds is controlled by a little piece of metal or wood, this big. A massive ship is controlled by a little rudder at the back, tiny in comparison to the ship. And you're driving down the road, someone flips a cigarette butt out the window, it can burn down a million acres of forest. It's a little bitty cigarette butt. That's our tongue. It has such incredible power to direct our lives. You say, well, what's the point? If you don't get anything else right, you get this right. Your tongue is going to have a disproportionate uh, influence over your marriage, over your family, over your career, over your ministry, over every relationship in your life, as well as your relationship with God. Your mouth is disproportionate over every other member of your body. If you don't pay attention to anything else, you pay attention to this thing right here. Because you don't reap what you sow, you reap much more than what you sow. It's one of the laws of sowing and reaping. Number three law of sowing and reaping is there's a delay between sowing and reaping that differs between seed. All seed has a germination period. Some cases you're saying something to someone, you may get an immediate feedback, that's, that's possible. 
But in most cases of sowing and reaping, there's a delay. This is Galatians 6, where we were reading before. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. So you're going to reap what you sow, but you have to be a patient farmer. Uh, farmers are very patient people. They understand you can't get that crop out of the field too soon. And don't walk away and let it go because it's going to come up. If, if I just wait long enough, the, the crop is going to come up. And so let me talk specifically about a few challenges on, on this issue. And it, one is your children. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That children are naturally foolish. And you cannot uh, get immediate results from your child in most cases. Now you can keep your child from running in the street or putting something in a light socket or something like that. But you can't produce good character in a child overnight. It's going to take a long time. And uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, you say, well, what's old? Like 55? <laughs> Here's a, I heard someone say this one time. You don't know what kind of a parent you were until your child turns 30. There's a, there's a place in every child's life that your faith has to become their faith. Every child. And just because your child goes through a rough patch is not a reflection on you as a parent. All children have to test the faith to make sure it's something that they believe in for themselves. If you train them correctly, you're not going to be able just to stamp out this perfect little child. And if you try, you'll damage the child. And so you'll say things to the child to try to create immediate results. I have a cousin and. One time, my aunt and uncle caught him sniffing glue, and they called him stupid. His name from that point forward was stupid, as though that name was going to turn him around. It scarred him for life. What were they trying to do? They were trying to you know, use their words with this you know, reverse psychology or something. There wasn't any reverse psychology about it. He began to act stupid when they began to call him stupid. He was a pretty good kid. We had a, a couple in our church in Amarillo when I pastored there, and uh, they couldn't have children. They were tw early 20s, and they couldn't have children. And they would come in every so often and ask me to pray for them so that they could have kids. And so I prayed for them. And so one day I, I said to them, I said, have y'all gone to the doctor? Because this just doesn't seem right. And they said, we, we've been to the doctor, Dr. So-and-so, and I knew this doctor, Dr. So-and-so, and he says there's nothing wrong with this. And I said, okay. So one day I was at the hospital, um, visiting the hospital, people in the hospital, and their doctor uh, their OBGYN stepped on the elevator with me and we knew each other and we talked for a minute and he said Jimmy you know this couple uh, that goes to your church that has been coming to see me because they're infertile he said there's nothing wrong with them and I said well that they told me that you said that and he said there's nothing wrong with them he said I'm saying and he said no, listen to me Jimmy you need to find out what's wrong I said, well, they're, they're paying you big bucks to find out what's wrong dude what do you mean I need to find out what's wrong? He, said, he looked at me very seriously and said, you need to find out what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that couple. They ought to be having kids. So it, it interested me. You know, it, just, it was of great interest to me, and I just thought, this, if they can have kids, you know, why, why aren't they having kids? So they came in to see me the next time to pray with them, and I said, hey, I want you to sit down here. I said, I want to talk to you for a minute because I saw your doctor at the hospital. And they said, yeah, really. And I said, well, he said there's nothing wrong with you. 
And they said, well, that's, that's what he said to us. You know, there's nothing wrong with this. And I said, well, okay. Well, I want y'all to tell me what's wrong. And they looked at each other and looked at me and said, well, Pastor Jimmy, we don't know what's wrong. I said, yeah, you do. Tell me what's wrong. And they just kind of gave me this look like, Pastor Jimmy, we, we, don't know that, we don't know what's wrong. And I said, tell me what's wrong. <laughs> and they just gave me this look like, I can't believe you're doing this to us. I said, I want one of you to tell me what's wrong right now. And she lowered her head. I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, Pastor Jimmy, I think I know what's wrong. She said, um, when I was a little girl, my mother caught me doing some bad things with some boys. And she told me because I had done that that God would never let me have children. I knew her mother, and I said, your mother's a sweet lady, but she cursed you. She literally put a word curse on you. And this girl said this. I think about it every day. Since the day my mother said that, and every time we try to get pregnant and don't, I think those words ring in my mind all the time that God will never let me have children. I said, um, we're going to forgive your mother. She's a sweet lady. She didn't mean to do this, but she put a curse on you. And, uh, and then I'm going to break the curse off you, and I'm going to speak the blessing of fertility over you. So we forgave her mother. I broke the curse in the name of Jesus. And I spoke the blessing of fertility over her, and she started spitting out babies faster than we could count. <laughs> You'll never amount to anything. You're like your brother, Billy. You're, like your, you're just like your father. You're just like your mother. You'll this, and you'll never amount to anything. You're a bad person. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You can't. You can't. You can't. And those words hit you right in your spirit. And they lodge. Because they're the words of authority. If you try to produce immediate results with kids, you'll damage those kids. At the worst point in your child's life, they need you to believe in them. Doesn't mean you don't correct them, but the way that you correct them is very, very critical. It's like the little Jewish boy that flunked out of school. And he came home from school after flunking out, and his mother met him at the door and said, See there, they don't know how to teach a genius. <laughs> Rather than calling him stupid. There's always something that you can say to make a child's life better. But what we do in the hard times is the most important thing we do. Let me talk about praying for your marriage and children. Praying. Um, because, again, our relationship with God is based on words, right? Our praise and worship, our prayer, our faith, the way we, our relationship with God is based on words. Praying for children in your marriage. First, 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul says to Timothy, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. I constantly pray for you, Timothy. The word remember there is the word mania in the Greek, and it means to build a monument. Some places in Greek literature, this was used to denote to build a monument. The angel came to Cornelius. Cornelius was the first Gentile who was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. The angel came to Cornelius and said, your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. Literally, as you have been praying, a memorial in your image has been built in the presence of God. Prayers don't evaporate, prayers accumulate. And sometimes you're praying for your husband, you're praying for your wife, 
you're praying for your kids and you just kind of get discouraged saying, are my prayers doing any good? Your prayers are building an image. This is a word picture. Your prayers are building a memorial in your image and in the image of the people that you're praying for in heaven. And when that memorial is finished, God looks over and says, angel, give that prayer. Answer that prayer. The angel came to Cornelius and said, your prayers have built a memorial for you in heaven. Don't get weary in well-doing. You pray, you pray, you pray. You say, how do I know when I've prayed enough when God answers? Because he's, he's not just sitting up there ignoring you. But there is a test of our faith to see, will I continue to plant even though I don't see immediate results? We need to. Here's the last one. It's speaking the truth in love and leaving the results with the Holy Spirit. So you say, well, I've got a tough situation with my spouse. What do I do? You know, and, and by the way, we're equals in marriage. You can say anything to your spouse you want to say. The question is, who is the enforcer? You or the Holy Spirit? As I tell women, you know, when your husband's doing something wrong, you go to your husband and you say, honey, you're, I think you're a hunk and I love you. And if you're lying, Jesus will forgive you. Go ahead and say it anyway. <laughs> I think you're a hunk and, but this and this and this, I wish you'd come home and be with the kids. I wish this and this and this. And then you kiss him, you're sweet to him, and then you go get in your prayer closet and you sing Jesus on him. <laughs> you're sweet in person and violent in prayer, not violent in person and sweet in prayer. You are your husband's equal. You can say anything to your husband you want to say. The question is, who's the enforcer? If you try to produce immediate results, you'll damage the relationship. If the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. If what you're saying is the truth, he'll enforce it. I was the, I was the nag in our relationship. And I would say something to Karen, even after I stopped being bad with my mouth, I was still, when I got upset, I was too forceful. And Karen kept telling me I was too forceful, but the Lord healed me in like one second. I was reading Ephesians 5 where it says, Jesus washes his bride in the washing of water with the word. And I was, I was praying one morning and had my quiet time. I read that scripture. And as soon as I read that scripture, I could see myself as a filthy bride and Jesus was taking his hands and putting them in the water, which was the word of God, and just very gently releasing them over my head. And, and I was filthy. And what I realized was he had been doing that since the first day I got saved. Did you know when you got saved, God knew you were not a short project? And did you know he was committed for the rest of your life to gently clean you up? You know when they have a masterpiece that's been like in a fire, in like a museum, they'll take a Q-tip for months I'm too ADD, I'd take a scraper after it. But they take a Q-tip and barely rub it on there and just take off a fleck of like ash at a time so they don't take away any paint. Did you know that Jesus has been doing that since the day you got saved? There's no one as gentle as Jesus. The next thing I saw after I saw that scene was I saw in my heart, I saw Karen dressed up as a bride and I was washing her down with a fire hose. And her dress was blown back and her veil and her hair were blown back. And, I'm, and those were my words. Impatient, forceful Jimmy. Not like Jesus. To speak the truth and leave it. I was forceful with her. Rather than saying what I had to say sweetly and trusting the Holy Spirit, I was the enforcer. I was the nag in our relationship. So the next time I, next time I got frustrated at Karen, she was in the kitchen. I walked into her. And I said, hey, Karen, I want to say something to you. And I think she was ready for a fight, you know, or something. And I, I said it very sweetly. Uh, I was not forceful. And I said it one time. And I went over and gave her a kiss and walked away. That, that was the new me. 
And this went on for about a week. And, and um, she, I was in my office one day at home. I have a little office at home. And she walked up the door of my office, and she stopped and looked in, and she said, I know what you're doing. I, I notice what you're doing. <laughs> and I said, mm hmm And she said, I like it. <laughs> you know, I did too, because it's just hard being God. Um, I was God for so long. It's a big job. It's a big job running everybody's life. It's a big job, you know, just doing God's job. And when I stopped being God and started being Jimmy, my life was a whole lot better off. And when I stopped being God, God started being God. And the nature of our relationship changed. The rest of your life is dependent upon this thing right here. And the first thing to do to make this right is to make Jesus the Lord of your lips. To make Jesus the Lord of your words. If you have a bad crop in the field, we're going to pray here and we're going to pray that God would kill that crop and forgive us all for the things that we've said that we shouldn't have said. But from this day forward, remember, the power of life and death is right here. But if you understand the nature of this, you can have the fruit of a wonderful life and a wonderful marriage. Bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, we make you Lord of our mouth, Lord of our lips. You gave us the wonderful ability to speak like you, like you speak. And literally to speak things into existence. And Lord, we take responsibility for that and we pray that you would forgive us for every bad word we've spoken, for every person that we've hurt, for every word that we've spoken that has been death and destruction and impure and mean. And Jesus, we make you Lord of our mouth. We are not free agents. And our words are not inconsequential. They're consequential. They're eternal. We make you Lord of our mouths, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the power to change. Some of us have a lifetime of bad habits that we need to change, and we don't want to do it by our power. We want to do it by your power. Holy Spirit, give us the power to change, and I pray that you would heal marriages, that you would heal hearts, and that you would heal families. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Good to be with you. Isn't that a good word? Yeah. We're going to take communion together. The usher is going to be passing it out. and There will be two cups stacked on top of each other. And just hold on to those. And uh, we're going to take it together after we worship a little bit more. Would you stand with me? Let's just spend a moment loving Jesus for what it is that he's done for us. He didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you.
sometimes a message like that can feel condemning because there's words that have been spoken over us that have been producing fruit for a really long time we don't see how it could ever change or maybe because we've been using our words in ways that have brought great damage to our spouse or to our children to other people and, and we don't see how our heart could change or how we could stop that maybe we've tried before but we failed the answer is in the cross it's not based on our exercise of, of willpower but it's based on the fact that Jesus would go to the cross and that on his cross his body would be broken so that we could be made whole so as we take the bread together this morning we remember the broken body of Jesus and on the cross Jesus shed his blood blood that washes away every sin, blood that washes away everything that was ever spoken over us, blood that atones for every sin that we've ever committed, blood that makes us pure and holy and righteous before our Father. And so as we drink the juice this morning, we remember the blood of Jesus shed for us. Jesus, this morning, we're so grateful once again for the sacrifice that you would make on our behalf. And Jesus, we declare with all creation that worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive praise and honor and glory forever. And we pray that the resurrection power would be demonstrated inside of our hearts, God, that you continue to change us and to make us new, to make us like you. Jesus, that you would silence and break off the power of every lie that has ever been spoken over us. Jesus, that we would continue to have ears to speak, to hear the good words that you're speaking over us, the songs of salvation, the songs of deliverance that you're singing over us. And Jesus, we pray that by your great power at work in our hearts, you would transform and to change our hearts so that the words and the fruit that is produced from us would be good, that it be pure, and that it be holy. God, that you use Radiant Church as your body to speak life, to speak liberty, to speak freedom, to speak encouragement to those who are around us, to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ, to be those who have your praises of worship on our lips. Jesus, continue to make us like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, here's something I want to tell you guys about too. If you liked what Pastor Jimmy had to say about marriage, uh, I mean, this is his wheelhouse. This is what this guy does. He also does something every year called the Marriage XO Conference, and they simulcast it all across the country, and we're actually going to be participating in that. We're going to be doing that on Saturday, May uh, 12th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and it's going to be right in here, and it's going to be uh, all the videos from the simulcast that are going on, different sessions with him and people like Craig Rochelle and a few others are going to be speaking on marriage. If you liked what you heard today and it has benefited your marriage, I would encourage you, sign up and be here for that. Sorry, the ushers are passing around the buckets for you to drop your cups in. I forgot to say that. Uh, but here's what it is. Normally, I think it's like $50, $60 is what the registration price is for this per person. But we believe that it's so important that we as a church, we're just really investing heavily in this. And so for all of you, it's just $15 a person to come to it. We're going to eat the rest of the cost. 
And if you can't afford $15, then let us know and we'll cover the whole thing for you because we just want you here. If you're married, you should be here. If you're single, you should be here because someday you might be married and it's really important to start to gain a foundation and understanding of what marriage is. So uh, you can sign up for that at radiantA2.com under the events page or you can go out and we can help you get signed up online too at Guest Central. So get signed up for that May 12th from 9 to 5 p.m. It's going to be absolutely incredible. If you're going to invest in one thing in your life, make it your relationship with Jesus. If you're going to invest in two things, make it your relationship with your spouse in the marriage and build something really strong and a family to build off of that. And then my prayer partners come forward. If there's anything we can pray for you or any way we encourage you, come, let us pray for you. If not, go out, be the church, and we'll see you all next week. God bless.